Coming up, it's Philosophy Talk. We hold these truths to be self-evident. The philosophy of John Locke. Locke was the favorite philosopher of our founding fathers. He influenced the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Locke argued against the divine right of kings. He believed in government by consent of the governed. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Our guest is Bill Ugalis, author of A Reader's Guide to Locke's Essay Concerning Human Understanding. He will actually channel John Locke so we can talk to him directly. I made the mistake of failing to introduce myself. My name is John Locke. The Philosophy of John Locke. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today, the 17th century British philosopher John Locke. Ken, in America, John Locke is probably best known as one of the inspirations for our founding fathers. His book, Two Treatises of Government, argues against the divine right of kings and in favor of government by consent of the governed. His views were admired greatly by Thomas Jefferson and also by others of our founding fathers. Not only was he an influential philosopher, he was a very politically active philosopher as well, John. He lived in the last half of the 17th century, which in England were very exciting times. Right. Charles I was beheaded. The monarchy was overthrown. Oliver Cromwell governed for a while. That was followed by two more stewards, Charles II and James II, as the monarchy came back. And then William came from the Netherlands. Married James's second cousin Mary, and William and Mary took over as constitutional monarchs without any divine right to rule. They were that was called the Glorious Revolution. Now, uh, according to the legend I was taught, maybe it's an urban legend, but the Locke really wrote his two treatises in part to justify these revolutions in England. But you know, John, even independent of his political philosophy, we got to say that John Locke would still be counted as one of the great philosophers in Western history. I mean, his book, Essay Concerning Human Understanding, is one of the most important books in the history of philosophy. He more or less invented the, the philosophical subject of personal identity, more or less invented the topic of pers- uh, f- philosophy of language. You are in my be- favorite topic. And you know, Ken, we have a rare treat today. We're not only going to talk about John Locke, we're going to talk with John Locke himself. That's right. Even though the real John Locke died a couple of hundred years ago, we'll be conducting an interesting experiment today. Our guest is the very prominent Locke scholar, Bill Ugalis, and he will be channeling John Locke. It's a technique they've developed at his Oregon State Philosophy Department with the help of computer science and astrophysics and some other departments. (laughs) So, you know, since we're going to have Locke himself here, I think I'm going to ask him about his views on slavery. It's kind of amazing to me that the founding fathers like Jefferson could write so clearly, inspired by Locke, so clearly about the rights of all humans, natural rights of all humans, and human inequality, and then turn around and own slavery. 
slaves. But, you know, Locke himself had some rather weird things to say about slavery, so I want to know if he approved of it or disapproved of it. Well, I want to ask a similar question about women. There are some glimmers of rights for women in Locke, but what did he really think? And I'm also interested in finding out what the, the extent of his involvement in the overthrow of Charles I and what his role was in replacing James II with William and Mary. I've read somewhere that he actually advocated, justified the assassination of kings. Was he a, an assassin? I don't know. I mean, we're going to find out. I guess what I really want to know is, was he that rarest of all birds, a politically effective philosopher? These are important questions, John. So we'll have to use our time, our limited time, with John Locke wisely before he goes back into the grave. But before we talk to either of our guests, Mr. Ugalis or Mr. Locke, our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Ash, also went in search of the real John Locke. She files this report. There are hundreds of John Locks in the phone book. My name is John Locke. I live in Saratoga, California. John Robert Locke. My name is John Locke. Who I'm named after? I don't know. I, I would guess an uncle. Nobody ever told me. I am the great, 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 great grandson of the philosopher John Locke. No, I'm just kidding. But of course, we're talking about the John Locke, the man whose theories in education became a kind of guide for parents and teachers for hundreds of years. The man who publicly criticized slavery when it was unfashionable to do so. The man who spent half a decade in exile for his ideas. John Locke was one of the two greatest English minds of the late 17th century, or maybe three if you want to throw in Thomas Hobbes along with Sir Isaac Newton. Jack Rakov is a professor at Stanford. He teaches history, political science, and American studies. And he has a shelf in his office devoted entirely to biographies of John Locke. Yeah, Locke has, he has a kind of bony uh, face. He's got, you know, his hair is worn as was fashionable 17th century. It's, uh, his hair is a bit on the lanky, somewhat, uh, you know, strewn side. Um, he do, you know, certainly conveys, uh, you know, a look of uh, intellectual engagement. Not a study in high court fashion. But you look at him and I'd like to think you see an active mind. John Locke was born in 1632, a tumultuous time in British history. There were conflicts between the monarchy and parliament, conflicts between Protestants, Catholics, and Anglicans, and Locke was born into a radical household. That is, his father was a radical Calvinist. You can see Locke wrestling with a whole variety of positions on a whole array of issues. For starters, one can say Locke's Christianity. Locke later became a Unitarian. He attended Oxford, where hallway conversations were actually in Latin. He studied logic, metaphysics, and medicine. He falls in with a crowd of men who criticize the monarchy and question absolutism. So Locke is flirting with uh, resistance, potentially revolutionary ideas, which were quite radical. Fast forward to the 1680s. Locke gets involved with some armed revolutionaries plotting to kill King Charles II. Locke appears to have gotten involved in the Rye House plot, which would have been a, a virtual coup d'etat. Uh, against the Stuart kings, and then when that plot collapses, he wisely thought it was a good idea to have sent himself to Holland, where he lives in uh, political exile for you know five or six years until he goes back to England after the Glorious Revolution has taken place. In 1688, William and Mary take the throne. Locke actually returns to England on the same boat that reunites Mary with her husband. With all his plotting and moving around, Locke stayed a bachelor his entire life. Uh, Locke never married, uh, though he seems to have fallen in love at a couple points, but he was single all his life. He was a, At one point, he was in love with the daughter of a prominent Neoplatonist. That woman's name was Damaris Cudworth, a philosopher in her own right. 
She and Locke exchanged love letters under the pseudonyms Philoclea and Philander. But then Cudworth married someone else. She and her former flame remained friends. Locke became her permanent house guest. He actually died in her house in 1704. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Ash. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.